Robots Radio presents... Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on October 16th, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat, as we continue our discussion over the remaining half of the lore book, Duress and Egress. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the advanced session of the week's exploration. Congratulations to those who have signed up for a deeper dive. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 and this is the bow-slinging, hand cannon, trying to figure out how to use it again, green-eyed music lover. Um, this is the, I guess, Otter Mom. Hey, it's Orchid. Yeah, Otter Mom. <laughs> hey. And last but... Otter Mom slash awkward aunt of the show. Uh, apparently, that's what... Yeah, oh, okay. Me, is, but... that, is that how the family layout is going to go? I'm apparently mom. Uh, yeah. I'm the concerned aunt. Yeah. <laughs> the concerned aunt. Yeah. Hmm. Well, last but definitely not least, in the hot seat as <laughs> guest goes, we have our good friend I am Elemis from Guardian. The the other half of Guardians of Lore, I believe, is how Orchid called out the uh, on the tweet. Um, Elemis, how I are am... you doing? I'm good. Considering how, how his... this has gone, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> He, uh, he had his talk of Supernatural with you. Mm-hmm. It almost turned into a Supernatural podcast I'm sure we during could, the I'm sure time. we could have a podcast on Supernatural. There's enough content there. 15 years worth. Mm-hmm. That is too like much. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like I said, Orchid and I can go stream Destiny yep. while you guys go do that we'll one. We'll go play Destiny. Bye. Over 300 episodes. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, real quick before we jump into this one, this week we're gonna, or this week, this week we've talked about Anna, and we're going to be talking about Vance's story from within Duress and Egress this episode. Uh, real quick though, before we do that, I just want to put a quick call out for anyone to check out thelorenetwork.com and give us some feedback on what you think about the site's layout. We've kind of updated it uh, a couple times, and I think the current version. <laughs> Is, is a pretty good one, um, but I'm curious what everyone else is, what their thoughts on that are. Uh, also, please be sure to, if you like what you're hearing, give us a rating and a, uh, just leave us a quick review, comments over on iTunes. Uh, as with a lot of podcasts that have been kind of mentioning this, that's really what helps podcasts the most is iTunes uses that to drive logarithms behind the scenes. I can totally go into that explanation off air if you want. Um, but if you have a moment, please definitely give us a review and some comments over there. Also, please be sure to give Green's Destiny Lore audio file the same treatment as well. Uh, 
it's just we just appreciate that. Um, and actually, while I'm while I'm talking about it, go and do the same for Guardians of Lore as well. We have a mm-hmm. whole host of podcasts oh. over on the Lore Network's website. And if you do have a couple, you know, a couple minutes, like I mean, really honestly, iTunes it takes no time at all. Um, but if you have a couple of minutes and you're you're happy to help out the Lore Network, you know, all the podcasts over there would greatly appreciate it. It helps more than more than most of us can put into words uh, when people do that. Um, but enough with that. I know everyone is actually looking forward to diving into the discussion about uh, the flyable creatures known as birds. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm more like I was just like, this is going to be a cool episode because it's like Halloween time and this is like a spooky, creepy, like episode because Vance is a weirdo and you want to talk about birds. Yeah. Burbs are great. Birds are amazing. It's, it's all about yeah. the birds. It's all about the birds. <laughs> but, you know, Blue, since you're so excited to talk about canaries and all the burbs, why don't you start off the burbs? Yeah. So, okay. So this is the first entry. Uh, this is the one that is Vance Canary. And actually, it's actually one of my favorite ones of his because of his reaction to <laughs> the perfect paradox brother vance's yeah. smile fell as the titan entered his sanctum the smell was unmistakable ancient gunpowder burnt oil scorched vex fluid the burnt toy burnt tang of steel overused through a hundred lifetimes you have the perfect paradox vance said his voice as steady as he could manage he extended his hands may i The Titan shrugged and then dug into his pack for the shotgun. He placed it in Vance's waiting hands. He ran his fingers over the barrel and tested the weight of the stock. Ah, he said. Not the original perfect paradox, is it? The Titan stood in confusion. Vance waited for a moment with his head tilted before he continued. You did not claim this weapon from the tomb of St. Fourteen, but through some fractaline-powered tesseract, yes? The Titan nodded and then stood for a long moment looking at the blind man. That sundial made it, he said finally. Vance's grip tightened on the gun. It was heavy, loaded with seven, no, eight shells. Tactical mag. Getting this one had taken some time. In how many timelines did you thoughtlessly tether to our own for this weapon? Our world now bears the strain of how many additional realities in exchange for this hollow abomination? Vance's mind swam at the thought of the infinite web that pulled on the shotgun. How much fractaline did you sacrifice for this? Four hundred fragments? He paused, aghast. More? It's got a trench barrel, said the Titan helpfully. Remove yourself from my sanctum, Vance said, placing the shotgun down dead like a dead animal. You have accelerated the end of all things, and I must update my prophecies accordingly. I just love this I love how Vance is so stinking snarky. Sorry, but like, so one of the first things that I love about this card is that the Titan literally uses nonverbal cues with a blind man and then gets confused when he doesn't, like, he he nods and then he's like, oh, I have to talk. Like, (laughs) I actually think this is a bit of a call out for a lot of us in the community. Yeah, well, I mean. Like, the whole thing with Vance being a blind man, like, is he actually blind was such oh, a God. huge question yeah, after it D1, was. right? And like, it, this, this card is actually the confirmation that he was blind. 
This was the Oh, it's one of the confirmations. Well, no, 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 no but I mean this is this is entries, the first but... solid confirmation. Every other every other reference to Vance about his his sight has been implied. Is never actually called out right. that he is blind until this this entry. Uh this book was actually the in, the the entry the three entries that like specifically called out the fact that he doesn't he does not have sight. <laughs> chat it's a god roll though no 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 i like the one above it get this out of my sight (laughs) but it is out of abomination (laughs) get this out of my so lore wise vance brings up an interesting question about the whole multiverse thing right yes actually he brings up a couple different interesting ones but yes the whole idea that by tethering all these, by bringing something from other verses into our verse, you're tethering them to mm-hmm. our verse. You're creating, you're creating a, um, a linchpin, an artificial linchpin between the different threads, and it's not a good thing. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Like, and that's where, like, that's what he kind of goes on to say is like you've accelerated the end of all things because the end of things is when you basically create an implosion you know like when you because because when you start when you start cross tying lines and threads it makes those threads not able to stay balanced and it starts snarling the weave of the entire really multiverse if you want to look at it that way if you look at it as a giant pattern that is being woven and every timeline is its own individual thread. The more threads you merge into one, the more likely you're going to get a snarl that's going to ruin the entire pattern. Um, and that's where like Vance's frustration is, is like, it's like, okay, cool. We can, you know, you can tether, you can blend lines. That's why the Ahamkar in my opinion are so dangerous is because that's what they do is they smush threads together. But like, you know, you can do that a couple times and it won't be a big thing. But like, you know, he calls out like 400 fragments, you know, like these like huge amounts of these different the Yeah, like the different timelines that he's actually severed and reconnected to our thing only for a, you know, what was it? A tactical mag and trench barrel shotgun. He's like, this is um, the most this is the most trivial it. reason. God roll, though. <clears throat> <laughs> blue which is why guardians are just advancing the end yeah, days it's like, according yeah. to vance orchid proves the point that titan is me i have that role in my inventory right now she's like i'm looking at that shotgun i have it i'm looking at it in dim as we speak because I the had to verify is... that this is the one. I, I'm, I'm like, nope, this, I have that role. I'm looking at it. So were you a Titan when you got it? I was. Or were you playing? I was playing on oh my Titan God. when I got it. This is Orchid, guys. Guys, this is me. Orchid was the one who was like gesticulating at Vance. Me too. I main a Titan. This is the exact role I have on my Titan. Yep. Almas and I are bringing about the end days I, on our Titans. Like I first this sounds about right. I first read this and I was like, "Oh, crud. It's, <laughs> it's, it's me." Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Yep. Yep. Look, at the the titans. Titans. Look at the yep. pair of Titans. Look at the pair of Titans. The 
prepared. Titans are going to shoulder charge us into the end days. <laughs> um, real quick, uh, so they mentioned Fractaline. That is actually a callback to, I think it was season 10? No, season... Of the Dawn. Season of Dawn. Season of the Stonks, yeah. <laughs> uh, polarized Fractaline was the crystalline structures that were formed as a byproduct of the space-time continuum being disrupted. Uh, and that was what we used <clears throat> for the Empyrean restoration of, uh, of effort, which was what we then, when the culmination of that effort was completed, that's what launched the lighthouse, I believe, at the end of that season. Was that correct? Yes. yes. Okay. This is what brought trials back, guys. We did this to ourselves. <laughs> The perfect tagline to trials. We did this to ourselves. <laughs> Literally. Uh, so we used we used the polarized fractaline and the light fused fractaline to increase the resonant ranks of the various obelisks that we had spread throughout the system. Um, there's a quote, I believe, from Osiris that says, On Mercury, we've seen a glimpse of what could happen if our enemies gain the power to manipulate time. It is a glimpse of a dark and hopeless future. Um, the other thing that I wanted to call out real quick before we get into the, the really fun connection of the canary is the Tesseract actually. Um, so a Tesseract is also known as a hypercube. It is an actual item that is a four dimensional cube. Uh, it's actually, so in the same way that a cube is an extension of a square, uh, the Tesseract is the extension of the idea of a square to a four dimensional space. Um, that being said, it is actually completely impossible to perfectly represent a hypercube in two dimension or even construct one in a 3D model. Like you, It is actually not possible to create one perfectly because by definition, it's fourth, four dimensional, which we don't have access to in the current. And yes, it is also the thing that is called out in the Avengers. I was just looking that up. Stay out of my head, Blue. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't like even, looking looking I don't even have at enough room up here for me. Yeah. Look looking at the picture of a tet, like of a hypercube is is pretty trippy actually because basically every I think the explanation that I saw was like every facet of it is its own cube, but then it's also it's it's a cube that is constructed completely out of cubes is I think the best way I could describe it. It is like looking at a Rorschach and a magic eye painting put together. Trials is you only started talking about Trials is only 30, 33,000 stonks my fault. We're having our own stonks market <laughs> conversation over here about how we all became financial planners and so we have MBAs in the stonks market. <laughs> my portfolio the stonks market crashed. <laughs> Yeah. So you are so excited about these canaries, Blue. Yeah. So the canary in the coal mine thing. Yep. Uh, this one. So like the entire the the interesting thing for me, or the kind of like the really co- cool thing to see with Vance's particular stories, is that every single entry is a callback to a type of songbird, um, or it has something to do with birds. Uh, the first and the last are specifically about songbirds. The second one is about actually prophecy uh, with birds. Um, But this one, and so what you kind of start seeing here is within the story is the presentation of Vance as literally 
a canary in a coal mine. Um, the reason why, you know, there's some really cool history behind the use of canaries for that specific purpose. Uh, but the big thing is, is that, you know, again, this is tying into this kind of concept of Vance as a early warning system. Um, so the question therefore for me jumps to, well, what is he, what is he being a warning system for? I mean, that's what he's calling out with him writing out his prophecies too. Correct. Yep. That is his, his call out of what he's doing. But some, some people could read that fairly easily as he's just copying Osiris because Osiris wrote prophecies. He, he is, I would I would say that he is not necessarily copying. He is following in the footsteps of Osiris. Uh, the prophecies that he writes are similar in scope, but different because he is using... Osiris's prophecies were based off the infinite forest and the probability machine and matrix within those within that structure. Vance's are based right. off the musical... Uh, resonance that the lighthouses present and stuff. You don't know that. He says that. You don't know that. Like that's that that was the entire trials and tribulations was his was his using the musical tones. Right. But that he was he was writing about it and he was researching it, but he never called out that he was writing prophecies on it in that book. This mm, is the okay. only like I don't remember at least. So this in this one he calls out the prophecies and the entire card for Canary talks about the idea of tethering these timelines mm-hmm, together mm-hmm. and whatnot, and that his prophecies for the end of all things are based off of the changes in that. So he's I mean, he's doing the same thing that Osiris did. He may not have been in the infinite forest during any of these prophecies, though I don't think Osiris necessarily was for his either. Yeah, I guess my my reading of the um the connection between the prophecies that Vance writes and the new the lighthouses is connecting back to something that is going to be called out, I believe it's in the very last one, the infinite the infinite sim- sim- simulacrum. Uh, which is a device that he actually constructs in Trials and Tribulations. Um, it's Similar Chapter room. 9, the Inspire entry. Mm-hmm. He calls out that when he's constructing the infinite simu- sim- simulacrum, um, he is basing that off of the concept of simulation seeds and Vex architecture to create a miniature pocket forest um, that then correlates with the notes and schematics that were derived from Osiris's lore. Um, he also uses the information from the new lighthouse as well as the structure of the old lighthouse to create that thing, uh, which then is going into his his writing of newer versions of the prophecies. Um, he goes on to say that within that particular thing, he goes on to say that he could hear the inspired voices weeping, not with tears, but in the low ceremonial hum he had come to associate with death. He closed his eyes and saw what was to come, um, which is where which is where my mind made the connection for the prophecies being derived from the tonal uh, responses there. But yes, you're correct. It, it wasn't it's not specifically stated that Vance is writing the prophecies based off that. But that was where my my connection between the two were 
were was kind of created was because of mm-hmm. what he created within the old lighthouse and then also the merging of that creation with his knowledge of a siren lore uh and then now we're seeing him talk about his prophecies like he calls out that what he has seen within the trials and tribulations entries is what's to come um which is the entire point of prophecy so that that was where my connecting those two dots was i think we should do a quick ad break real quick before we move on too terribly much because i'm sure we're going to talk about the prophecies further especially with Passeri at the end but let's do a quick ad break for our either sponsors or other shows within the lord network Ahoy there, ye landlubbers. Avast, my name is Captain Logan, and I'll be your guide out on the Sea of Thieves. If you love the idea of stealing treasure, cutting down cursed skeletons, fighting off krakens, and raiding forts filled to the brim with shinies, then Sea of Thieves is the game for you. Join me each week as I dive into the news and bring back the nuggets of information that any sailor worth their weight in salt would desire. You don't have to be a pirate legend to gain access to my podcast. Just search for Keelhauled, a Sea of Thieves podcast in your podcast app of choice or head over to robotsradio.net or captainlogan.podbeam.com and get ready to set sail for adventure. And we're back. And Orchid is doing the wave in the background for those of you in the audio format she is making funny faces for those of you in the live chat i'm sorry you can't see this she has yet to allow us to put her pretty face on stream but now she's in her wizard robe <laughs> yep she's in slytherin guys, guys it totally makes I did a sense costume change you, you need to say it right magic missile magic missile <laughs> Eldritch Blast. Are there girls there? <laughs> Thunderbolt! <laughs> Thunderbolt! Cast Magic Missile at the list. darkness. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. Oh my goodness. Guys, Why it's Harry Potter robe. Come on. Why did you sound like a valley girl there? <laughs> because I'm from California. That's all I can do. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> That's all I know. Hermione by way of Los Angeles. <laughs> Hermione by way of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine the Harry Potter series being done with like valley accents? Could you imagine the characters Harry instead of Clueless? British? <laughs> like, Wait, oh my not. god, Harry. <laughs> oh my god, Harry. Have you seen her outfit? It is hideous. <laughs> She's wearing the exact same thing as me, but that's so, like, five days ago. Like, her tie looks just like my tie, and I am just <laughs> appalled right now. I don't like I need to shorten my tie by half an inch because then I'm unique. Can't you tell? Oh, my God. That girl from Ravenclaw copied my barrette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Like, oh, my God. Let's like, edit this from my brain. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Ginny, did you see Harry's wand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did. So, Auspix. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's read this let's, lore let's card. Let's redirect this this before it goes the, goes wrong. That's okay. It's all gonna have to be anyway. Sorry, Blue. 
This is Focus <laughs> Fire Chat, not Rule 34. So let's move on. <laughs> Said sorry, Blue. <laughs> no, you're not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna clip that audio, and every time she does something, just in the background, I said sorry. Okay, LMS, could you read Auspix for us? Yeah. <clears throat> the music rang clear and true. Brother Vance listened. His face, a paroxysm of glory. It repeats, he whispered to himself, and the young warlock, who was bent over the infinite forge, diligently crafting weapons from another age. She listened politely, but heard nothing. She went back to her task. Why do none pity the phoenix? The warlock looked up, startled. Vance was across from her, though she had not noticed his approach. His question came with no preamble, as if the two had been in the midst of a conversation. I'm sorry, offered the warlock. Endless rebirth, true, but each matched by a fiery death, Vance said. No sooner does it clean the ash from its feathers, does it fall again to flame. The blind man turned and bathed his face in the glowing sunlight that streamed into his sanctum, and none speak of its song. The warlock thanked Vance for the use of his forge and stood to leave. You are more than welcome, he said, without turning his head, though his vacant smile had grown kind. He gestured toward the tomes and scrolls on his desk. Help yourself to a prophecy, friend, he said. I believe I have finally finished my studies. I believe I have finally finished my studies. After talking about rebirth, music, the spheres, phoenixes, Harry Potter, and Harry's wand. Gross, Vance. <laughs> All right, Blue. All right, so I know. Yeah, I got a, I got a couple things. Um, so interesting for me here is first off the phoenix. Uh, the question of why do none pity the phoenix is a really interesting uh, presentation of the phoenix mythology. Because the phoenix is always portrayed as something that power is derived from its death um, in various mythologies. So there's a couple couple intriguing points. Uh, throughout all of the mythology in reality about the phoenix, there is not really anything concisively said about its song, uh, which is an interesting thing for Vance to pull out here. Um, the other thing is that the the process of a phoenix uh, is his their rebirth is very different depending on whether or not you're looking at like an Egyptian mythology or the Greek mythology or even the later Roman mythologies. Uh, there's different processes through which the bird will go through the resurrection process. Uh, the Egyptians have it flying and carrying the former phoenix in a ball of gum. Uh, to light it on fire and then being reborn within that. Whereas the Greeks actually have the more kind of the more stereotypical, probably the more well-known one where the bird will, will die itself and then rise from the ashes. Um, so there, there's a couple different really minute details there that differ there. Um, the intriguing connection there is obviously the connection to Guardians with the Phoenix. Uh, Vance is not the only person to call out the connection. Uh, Shax is very, very, very quick to point out the connection there um, to the point where a lot of the imagery within the Crucible is of a Phoenix. Uh, the, bur mm -hmm. the, the actual, the entire sigil of the Crucible is arguably a Phoenix. 
you could also make sure you could also comment that it's an eagle of power but the phoenix makes more sense given that the particular i think it was the binary phoenix class items was or Mm -hmm. actually i think it was the entire armor set from crucible a while back was was the binary phoenix yes um because it's the binary like the phoenix sigil and the eagle of power are very similar uh in aesthetics so it you know what whatever um the other call out for me here is auspix uh an auspix which is the title of the card and auspix is specifically an augur of ancient rome uh with special focus on those who interpreted omens derived from the observation of birds so these were the people who would watch birds as they fly um and determine basically based off those natural signs what divine you know what the indication of divine approval or disapproval of different events or different um upcoming events would be so yeah that was that that would again tying into this this theme within vance's story of avian inspiration i do i do find that he is focused very heavily on song um Given Vance's history and Vance's story that we've been given within Destiny 2, it's not a surprise. But I do actually like him calling out the the really odd thing about the Phoenix, and no one ever speaks about its song. Um, you guys mentioned Harry Potter. Harry Potter is actually one of the very few stories that has a nod to the Phoenix's song actually doing anything. Um most mythologies well but like the only mythology that references its song is the egyptian mythology and really all they say is that it's beautiful there's no there's no inherent power mentioned about it it's just it was called mm-hmm. out that it was a beautiful song like that's that's it i i don't know i mean it's interesting that none speak of its song which i don't know if vance is more so commenting on the power aspect of it or if he's more so commenting on the fact that because his blindness that uh, that is something you you know that he thinks about he thinks through yeah. uh, uh auditory i d- i definitely definitely visual. like that interpretation of it too because as a person who doesn't have the sight or doesn't have sight you know a lot of representations of phoenix is about their plumage and about how like beautiful their plumage is and you know all that and so for vance you know, it. I think you can also see it as a nod to the accessibility of those mythologies for someone of his position. I like. I like that interpretation. I th- yeah, I think the. I think the idea of him bringing up the phoenix is more of the idea of he interprets the world through a different set of. He focuses on different things than we do. So other people who are studying the world, such as like Asher would be very much so database through a visual perspective primarily, whereas Vance has been studying it through auditory um, resonance and listening to the uh, lighthouses and everything, the vibrations with that. I think my favorite thing, this is just kind of a funny uh, definition for everybody, the paroxysm. (laughs) A paroxysm is a sudden attack or violent expression of a particular emotion or activity. And so Vance is sitting there just reading along and then it's just like, ah, it's, it's his Eureka moment. Mm hmm. It is his Eureka moment. Hey, Orchid. (laughs) I literally just look up. (laughs) I look up and all I see is Orchid's face like in the camera. 
Yeah, she just leans forward and gets like real big eyed. Um, you ready to talk about the creepiest card in the entire book? This is my favorite card in the whole book. It is kind of my favorite card too. Oh my gosh, when I read this card the first time, I was reading it um, during lunch at work, Be- like the first day it came out, and then mm-hmm. like shrieked, "Yes!" And everyone's like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" And I'm like, "It's so good. It's so metal." Essentially, it is it was so metal. Me shrieking like victory, and no one understood what my what my deal was. Yes. <laughs> Okay. So do you this want to read the card? Passeri. <laughs> this is Passeri. Shut up, Blue. I'm doing my job here. Be quiet. I am an imminent professional and, and super pro. Pro strats. Pro strats wall hacks. Quiet. Wow. She's a three-peaker, guys. I am a three-peaker. I'm a straight-up three-peaker. I got ding on for a reason, and it's because I like the three-peak. Wow. Almost, I three peak in control. Okay. <laughs> you think Why? you think you know a person, and then all of a sudden they tell you, "I three peak." Of course, I three peak. It's part of the game, guys. I hate all of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. No, I know. Yeah, I know. I don't. But but those three peakers. Um, there's nothing wrong with three peaking. It's a part of the game. My word clip coil is better than a sword, so I might as well three peak. Anyway, I'm gonna read this card. Passeri. <laughs> After the shut up, all of you. I'm doing work. <laughs> After the guardian left his sanctum for the last time, Brother Vance collected his few belongings and stepped onto the scorching surface of Mercury. He found the entrance to the infinite forest easily, as though he had practiced the journey endlessly in his mind, because he had. This time, he went through. The forest roared. He was struck by the dizzying void of it. The echoes made no sense. He took his first step into the hallowed place and fell to his knees, vomiting. He struggled with his pack as a tempest beat on his eardrums. He withdrew his infinite simulacrum, impossibly small in this immense space, and with trembling fingers synchronized it to the frequency of the crack in the forest. It ticked like a metronome, and then silence. The forest was sealed. Tentatively, Vance felt his way across the enormous stone as he stood on. At the same time, he skipped effortlessly from the stone as if he had done so countless times before. At the same time, he soared. He was moving in every direction, falling, laughing, singing, down every path into every reality, spreading his message of hope. In the original, the true Vance felt his infinite parallels erupt from him. He felt them bear him up as they passed. Thank you, he said wordlessly, unable to breathe from joy. He felt a hundred thousand touches of reassurance. He found that he was weeping. There, in the swirl of his golden echoes, Brother Vance lifted his voice and began his song. Some hope for? His own voice answered him from behind. The future, it continued. Vance leapt toward it. He recognized the feel of his own cloak, and his hands found its throat. His form twisted, turning cold and sharp beneath his hands. It threw Vance on his back, but he held on. He pushed his hands up, the thing's face under its blindfold, and dug in with his thumbs. It howled. How unfortunate, Vance thought to himself behind his wide smile, that you still have eyes. So metal. So Vex simulations are not 100% accurate. They don't know everything. 
Well, because you never... Blue, do you want to talk about the Passeri before we get into... Uh, yeah. Other aspects? Yeah, definitely. Um, real quick, uh, let me jump back over here. Um, yeah, so Passeri is, I think we kind of we kind of mentioned this a little bit of uh, at the start, but Passeri is a suborder of bird that includes all songbirds. Uh, it is also referred to ossines. Uh, this group contains about 5,000 or so species all over the world in which basically the the main characteristic is the vocal organ is typically developed in such a way as to produce a diverse and elaborate bird song. There are, um, if I'm remembering and reading this breakout correctly, there are basically three ma- or two major lineages of perching birds, which are called uh, passeriforms. Um, the other one being the Tyrani. Uh, and the Tyrani have simpler musculatures, so while their vocalizations can be just as complex and striking as those of Songbird, they technically are more mechanical sounding. So there is a little bit there. And I think there's actually a third form, but I don't really, I don't even know how to pronounce that because it's a New Zealand word, and so I'm not going to. Um, anyways, the other definition of Passeri is a bird having a melodious song or call. And then, uh, green also made the, made the point that I believe it's the Italian word for sparrow. Is that correct? Green? Mm -hmm. Is that what it's literally in Italian? Um, yeah, it's the translation. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's basically, a songbird uh and so that connects back into the first entry where it was a canary because a canary is a is technically a member of the uh passeri suborder or clot clod i think is the other word for it or clad clad i don't know how i don't know scientific terms get really weird but it's a suborder. So passeri is the suborder of passeriformes which is the order of aves and then goes all the way up to what is that cordata and then animalia and then did you want me to talk about the uh simulacrum or is that do you want me to- yeah we can i mean it's just a it's just a method of like receiving data right like it's just yeah a, it's so it's just a machine yeah so it's like i know you you called out the uh simulacrum as the the term simulacrum is actually uh what is it the image or representation of someone or something so it's actually it's it's a simulation um within mm-hmm. destiny's lore the infinite simulacrum is actually um a device that he built from bits of simulation seeds and vex architecture to mimic a pocket universe so it is quite literally a miniature version of the infinite forest with the understanding obviously that because it's a miniature version is not nearly as powerful but it creates the simulation of a pocket universe so it's not actually a pocket universe but it allows him to kind of tap into the the probability uh logarithms that are offered within the infinite forest again possibly to give him access to something similar to what Osiris uses for his own for his prophecies it's an eye forest the other thing (laughs) Hmm? what's that brought to you by the apple line the eye forest mini yeah i mean kind of (laughs) right (laughs) except for it syncs seamlessly with the iphone 3000 oh god 
If Apple was around that long, yeah, they are. Where there's three thousand editions. That vexes me. I bet you they will be. They're going to be the one company that survives. (laughs) They're the Bray Tech. The Traveler. (laughs) The Traveler is Apple confirmed. Yeah, that's why there's a. That's that's why there's a. That's why there's a giant chunk of it missing. Someone took a bite out of it. Oh no. No. <laughs> Have you never heard? I don't want this to become a. <laughs> no, it's true. Green, green's like I no. Can't take, it back. can't take it back. It's out there now, Green. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I just don't want it. You know, uh, uh, I don't brain. even know how to. Clovis I don't know how to segue from out the acquisition this. of Tesla by Apple. <laughs> Continue, Green. So I know that you know well. We, I, I have an easy segue. Let's talk about the fear frequency because you know I think that's made you that sound made you kind of cringe there. I, lots of sounds make me cringe. But we're not talking um, about those. We're going to so, talk about the fear the fear frequency. Yeah. So Vance points out in the card that he fell to his knees because of the echoes and vomited. Right. Like that is called out pretty early on in the card. And the interesting thing with that, as far as lore, is that there's an actual scientific thing where. Um, sound can cause you to become sick and it's not necessarily auditory sound for human hearing because our ears are only capable because of the philia only capable of hearing at certain frequencies and so the fact that there are sounds out there that have been proven to be able to make you feel sick because of the low frequency of it i think is more of what it is is that it is an actual thing there was a about what was it, a year or two ago that super scare of um, embassy workers mm-hmm. being threatened with sound like the sound itself was causing issues and making them sick yeah it's not just a couple of years ago i mean look at the conspiracy theories around 5g it's a similar concept it's really they're worried about 5g oh oh, 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 oh. have you not read these I'm going to be sending you so many fun threads to read. (laughs) It's some some good stuff. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) Interesting. If you want to read more about the fear frequency, (laughs) there is an article out there that oh i think it got deleted earlier which is which stinks there is an article out there from lifehacker.com about does sound make you sick Mm -hmm. and it talks about the actual frequency numbers and how it affects the body and the involuntary contractions that the muscles tend to have around it and how it can physically make you ill and some of the different things they talk about is not only just a nausea thing but also um, headaches and a few other symptoms because of the sound so that is that's fun so if you really want to annoy somebody like not like you annoy your mother by playing the same song over and over your senior year (laughs) may have totally done that well that's also like the idea that you know you can't hear certain frequencies right like the mm-hmm. what was it was it a couple of years i don't even really know if it's still a thing but they have like ringtones that are supposed to be beyond the perception of certain age groups yeah so the the ears the philia within the ears itself will slowly begin to get damaged over time 
and it can be due to having worked in an environment where it is very, very loud or have you're surrounded by very, very intense frequencies. Band directors often lose their hearing after a certain age, that... after having taught so many years, and they have to wear ear uh, earplugs if you're wanting to preserve it. I actually wore earplugs when I was teaching, specialized ones that just cut out most of it. But um, yeah, you can you can injure your hearing pretty easily, and many older older folks who have gone through life and may have gone to Woodstock or. <laughs> may have just listened to uh, the good old radio a little too loud can cause major damage to their ears. As dancing says, yeah, those hearables can be nasty. <laughs> the head shake is, is like, it's it's the, the payment of all, all of this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, actually, you know, I, that's actually something that I have had a conversation with uh, actually uh, neighbors about uh with my seven-year-old because he likes helping too loud over there oh well actually it's about like when we do yard work uh so lawnmowers have a certain volume and as like younger kids they actually like that's why it's so important to have earphones or not necessarily earphones but just covers over their ears is because you can actually irreparably damage their their hearing with something as for us as simple as a lawnmower because we're kind of used to it but it's it's literally something that can can damage that this is true yes no chat chat was very concerned there for a second um (laughs) i do not talk to my neighbors about destiny lore no no that's i do dance dancing was very concerned there very concerned destiny lore can irreparably (laughs) damage your hearing amazing so brother vance moves through the forest are those echoes Mm. because he has multiple instances of himself uh break off where he's simultaneously skipping flying walking vomiting all of this is all happening basically at the same time is that echoes of himself like osiris echoes or is this just the vex simulating him and he's able to witness it all. Which, how is he witnessing it all? Yes. How is he? Yeah. I mean, that gets into the the argument of what is an echo. Is it a Vex copy or is it something that... I mean, because up until, up until this entry, we had all assumed that the um, echoes were something unique to Osiris. But if the echoes are Vex copies... Mm, you're getting there but osiris but but osiris used his echoes (laughs) to accomplish things that he wanted i hate the best (laughs) so much actually actually i think i think technically they're reflections not echoes because echoes Mm. is are I'm, I'm looking real quick uh yeah echoes are are echoes are reserved for taking kings reflections are the things that Same are suited difference. for traversing just, the sun. They're copies, S- semantics. It's semantics. important, though. It is important. Uh, that was from maintenance operations log. Uh, Osiris translates the reflections as a manifestation of light, and the echoes as something that is reserved for taking kings. Ambre. Hmm. Why that song? <laughs> 
Because it wasn't in the original soundtrack? It was in the D2, though. Because that was the Easter egg in the very first mission, is the old bar played Hope for the Future ad nauseum. You could stand there for hours and it would play. That and it's in the Lost Sector right next to Spider. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah I forgot about the, that. Uh, the uh, the bar. The mm-hmm. disco. The cantina. Yeah. I love that. Honestly, I just think they like throwing that song in wherever they can. Because they can. Just because they can. It is the only song in Destiny that has words. It is. That is within the game. I yeah. really don't like the song. Well, I mean, technically, Seven Hells and Seven Heavens have words, but they're not in the actual songs. Right. That's what I was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was a separate entry, right? That was not considered part of the Seven Hells, Seven Heavens, right? Yeah. I think it's an interesting call-out. And the fact that Brother Vance knows it is why that song is a hit in uh, the Destiny universe, because... Brother Vance must have heard it at the tower or wherever on the Guardian radio that's out there. It's actually Osiris's favorite song, and that's the only reason oh, why God, he likes I it. Don't... Oh, <laughs> I don't want that I to mean, be I a see, thing. I mean, yep. it, playing, it playing in the tower bar, it would make sense that then Vance would have experienced that song. Like, that is a, mm-hmm. that is a legit connection to be made there like it it is do we want to talk about vance putting out the eyes you mean vance's redemption his... as a character vance redeeming himself in my eyes right. for removing his own eyes vance being but not his own AF. eyes why did he pick that one to do because like, that, was the one that, that was the one that was the one that was running around why is he is he just mad because the the copy finished the song before he could because that's not a copy sing it out of tune that wasn't a reflection why is brother vance so angry at this guy that he puts his own puts the eyes out of his own echo yes reflection i mean arguably that wasn't a reflection that was the whole point that they snuck in a reflection vex no the darkness right but is the darkness within the infinite forest that's what he that's what it is that's what he was talking about because that was the entire reason that he locks it up within um they are not coming and the that was the whole thing with uh zavala and vance was vance was given basically the the instructions to close up the the infinite forest to prevent the darkness from gaining access to it but he locks himself inside it might have been the only way thus entering bringing in the darkness with him but that's again that's why he attacked it was he, you know, because it got in. That's why he, he attacked it and he killed it, is because it got into the forest. It was his job to defend the forest from it invading. Because, I mean, the thing is, is that, again, the infinite forest is a massive probability engine. Right, but here's why I say it's a vex and not necessarily the darkness. There's a line in here It says, its form twisted, turning cold and sharp beneath his hands. Mm, I can see that too. Yeah, I mean, I was. Where so you metallic. think it's a vex? Like it, you think it's I think an it's actual a vex simulating because he's not a guardian. I think the vex can simulate him a little bit more accurately. I could see that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a fair point actually, because he doesn't have the paracausal capabilities that the guardians have with the light. Correct. Yeah, which is which is also why I think all those different reflections going away from him are also simulations. Hmm. 
I mean, I guess that begs the question, too, then, of the difference between the reflections presented here by Vance and the reflections that we see with Osiris. Mm-hmm. Because if these are Vex-inspired simulations... Which is why I, I mentioned that the Vex simulations are imperfect, that they only have so much data, because we didn't even know that Vance does not have eyes. Although, if you had glitched into his frame back in D1, you could see that he had no eyes, I think, back in the day. But Or maybe his character model did have eyes. I don't remember. Well, I mean... Oh, I see now, what you're saying, because like, they would... Oh, go for it. Because now, now, they have a visual... Oh, sorry. Go for it, e. No, you're good. Now, my thing is, we don't have anything about all his other reflections having eyes. Just the one that he actually ripped the eyes out of. If we are going off of the fact that, or the idea that it was, yeah, like if if it was a Vex, then I could see all of them potentially having eyes. But if if we're going off the fact that it's the darkness, then all his other reflections could potentially not have eyes. That would mean the Vex, if the Vex were the other reflections and not the final reflection that he pokes out... That would mean the Vex have a more perfect simulation than the darkness itself. Bottom line is, regardless of whether or not the other reflections have eyes or not, the simulation or the darkness that is there is imperfect in its replication of him. That they don't actually know everything about him. They only see the outside. They don't know everything within. What do you think, Blue? So, my, again, this is just me kind of talking out like brainstorming but like so if you read if you go back he's he's calling out the fact that he can feel he feels the infinite parallels erupt from within him he like and it says mm-hmm. the original true vance felt his infinite parallels erupt from him he felt them bear him up as they passed um you know he says that at this he felt his way across the enormous stone at the same time he skipped effortlessly uh, at the same time, he soared. He was moving in every direction, falling, laughing, singing down every path into every reality, spreading his message of hope. Um, so that's very similar to the cutscene where we see Osiris kind of send out his reflections uh, mm-hmm. within Curse of Osiris. So my mm-hmm. thought, my thought here is like when it shifts to when it shifts to when he starts singing, right? And he he starts his song, and then he hears his own voice from behind him. The the nuance difference that that I at least read was that he is not experiencing that he is it is an other yeah, he, because he when doesn't... he when he le- when it says he leapt toward it he says he recognized the feel of his own cloak and his hands found its throat its form twisted and that goes back into you know what you were talking green but all up until that point every time he talked about one of the parallels he was also cool like he was experiencing their experience simultaneously as his own. Whereas in this attack, he did not, he did not experience that. Um, and it goes on when it threw Vance on his back, he held on, he pushed his hands up the thing's face under its blindfold and dug in with his thumbs. Like there's a difference here between the explanation of the experience of him attacking this thing, than him being touched and resurrect or uh, reassured by his reflections earlier. So the b- bottom line is the initials are him, but the f- actual one at the end is not. Therefore, he attacks it because 
it was not something that he had experienced or thought to experience. Yeah, he my my understanding is that whether it's the Vex or the Darkness, they tried to Trojan horse a, a copy of him into his group, and he was able to recognize that, like he he started the song. I I don't know like if that was a trap or whatever. If he was just you know so ecstatic, but when he heard another reflection singing the the refrain with it, he also didn't experience that uh, that reflection. So he it, it it goes back into like my idea of like the whole multiple man concept, like multiple man or Doctor Manhattan, you know, from Watchmen. Like this entire concept is you you have a character who is able to split, but they also simultaneously experience the events of their various personalities or of their various entities. And so you have someone who's basically trying to disguise whatever as one of those. Um, but that entity is not part of that, like that hive network mind. And so as the original uh vance's vance recognizes that and attacks it right and given the given the fact that he i mean this is where this is where i totally do see what you're saying about it being a vex because of the call out for it being cold and sharp um but i i do like the reason why i still really hold that this is not the same as the reflections is because of that that slight shift in the way that it's described um, mm-hmm. he, cause like the original, the true Vance felt his infinite parallels, you know, he felt them bear him up, you know, he was able to talk to them wordlessly. Um, and that's, and that's like that, that euphoria, he starts the song and then he gets answered from behind him. And I, I just like, I just constantly am getting this idea of like, he's like, well, what the, like, what is going on? You know, Elamist, I want you to talk about what you put in chat real quick. And I want to talk about this. Okay. Wanna... So, so like, all of, of the other ones that are actually split from Vance would be the actual reflections. And then, you know, it, it talks about the, the final one. You know, it's form twisted, turning cold and sharp beneath his hands. Mm-hmm. Vex are typically, like, rounded off and, and, you know, aesthetically pleasing. So what if it happens to be a new enemy type? A warrior vex, the veil. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one who put it in chat. I, know. I don't know I why you're being, flailing your I was arms. Being <laughs> uh-huh. Actually, I want to know. Um, I want to talk about something else too. You mentioned the idea of the multiple man and how Elemis brought up in chat also that it's like a hive mind. Which begs the question, is the concept of the Vex and the hive mind part of a supercomputer simulation aspect, or is it something unique to the Vex? Because if Osiris and Brother Vance can both do that, then the concept of having a hive mind split from a singular entity and that whole exo exo connection to the Vex, now my spinfoil brain goes... Clovis Bray, Vex, God damn it. Clovis is the darkness? Because, Clo- <laughs> well, I mean, you have the, Clovis Bray creates a lot of problems. They solve a lot of problems, but they also seem to create as many problems as they solve. Waylon Yutani, what? 
I know that the Vex were there first, though. Mm-hmm. So if the Vex were there first and the Ishtar Collective was the one studying them, trying to figure out what's going on with them, and they discover these aspects, time, timey, wimey, wibbly, wobbly, the Vex are just us traveling back in time and causing our own problems. But it's if it's like the Merchant and the Alchemist, we've already done this problem. Yeah, I, that's So it's destiny. But is it? Is it? <laughs> ah! I hate time travel. I, this is know, why I hate I, the I, I, Yeah. Well, that's why I, until, uh, um, Black Flag <laughs> did bring up something else, uh, about the potential of it being the darkness. Um, you know, what he says, what does baptism in the darkness do? Like when you saw the taken, it perfects you. So if the darkness was trying to mimic Vance, you know, a perfected Vance would have eyes. Is, is an argument to be posited for it being the darkness is because they, they basically present a perfected form of Vance. But they don't. Um, they present a perfected form in a, a venue or an, uh, an aspect. Not necessarily the physical aspect, but in an aspect of the character and the behavior of that person or right, thing. Right, right. Right. Like, they're fixing a problem with the thrall, the thrall being too easily shot down, so they make it to where the thrall are... Easy shot down. ...moving around, like, sporadic. <laughs> the sp- scions. I mean, they're all still easy to shoot, right? But Says you. <laughs> Seriously, I ran um, with Orchid the other day. Altars of Sorrow oh, with yeah. Ruinous Effigy mm-hmm. and just stood there like Blue was. That was the most fun of doing nothing I have done in a while. What was this? To shoot Ruinous Effigy during Altars of Sorrow. <laughs> we were getting her tier 5 done. <laughs> it's so fun. Like, you literally just I love stand. Ruinous Effigy. <laughs> just stand in the valley Amazing. and they all run to you. You're like, yes, come to me. <laughs> Same with Wither Horde. It's- Wither Horde yeah. is great. Yeah, but Wither Horde isn't as fun as, like, running into a batch of enemies and then just, like, holding the button down, watching them evaporate before your eyes. Yeah. It's much more satisfying. It's no, it does help if someone yeah. is running Wither Horde and you're running Ruinous FG. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I was... There was a couple random uh, altars that I was running, and we had two Titans who were running suppression grenades, and they also had Wither Hordes, and I had Ruinous... <laughs> So I literally would just go stand in the bubble where Ooh. everything was spotting. It was, it was mm-hmm. absolute chaos. We got through Ooh, so many. We got through so many tears so fast that way. How do you how do you tank as a hunter? Put on ruinous effigy. Yep. <laughs> Ooh. Then you can be a bouncing boot the only ball. Thing <laughs> just ask <yeah>. Cole. <laughs> That's strategy for taking out the shrieker still is so obscene did you guys see that tweet whenever cole and i run the interference mission she always runs ruinous effigy and then when we get to the shrieker in the in the tree room where eris is normally she just jumps up and down with the the sphere expanded and it looks so stupid because she can't stay up there very long but she does a ton of damage so I'm standing back and just shooting arrow after arrow in it, and you just see this bouncing purple ball underneath it. <laughs> the best part is she died at the end. <laughs> she did die at the end. 
Serves her right. Anyway. Do we have any other thoughts about Brother Vance and his transformation before we kind of wrap up everything? Um, I have... Yeah, go for it, Orchid. Uh, I was going to say, I think this is Bungie's way of giving him like a really nice send off. I know we've talked about all the other characters since this is the last character that we've been speaking of, of the four, Mm -hmm. um, that they've all kind of gotten this really nice, like heroic moment in the end. But brother Vance has been like the weakest of the four characters, I really believe. And this is like the most like badass moment of all the characters. I like, I like how I agree, like, I agree 100% with that. And I also like how Vance is the only non-guardian out of the vendors here. And he is one that arguably is the one taking on whatever enemy this is directly. Like, you actually see... Well, Asher does, too. Well, but Asher doesn't... I mean, Asher takes on the Pyramidian. I I mean, right. But, like, Vance, I got the sense of, like, Vance actually like walks into a fight without realizing like Asher I don't know like Asher I kind of think like Asher doesn't take gambles I think Asher studies things ad infinitum and then you know he he plays the count card counting game he knows when he's gonna win and then does then wins whereas Vance it kind of feels like he I don't know like the fact that Vance is not a guardian too to me adds a lot of weight to his decision here and he doesn't balk like everyone everyone loves making fun of vance for you know being whiny or being blah blah blah. but here you see vance being actually put in a corner and his response is one of the most brutal of all the responses out there like i mean he i mean yeah he he literally he gets put in a corner and instead of like whining about it or anything like that he just gouges the eyes out you could say that this is the most crazy ending to all of it, because if Vance is... There's nothing saying that the, the the thing that sings back to him is malicious, right? Like, it's interpreted as such because it's different, because it has eyes. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, Vance's right. reaction is pretty extreme to literally turn around and poke its eyes out. Now, granted, it was grappling with it on the floor, but... I don't know. It could be Vance's breaking point. It could be. I mean, again, I, that's where I kind of focus in on that, like that slight nuance of the experience. He's not like it's called out that he doesn't experience his hands. Like he feels his hands on its throat, but he doesn't feel his hands on his own throat, like with all the other parallels. So that's that sure. was like where I kind of see the the cause for his violence towards it. I don't know, Elmist. Mm-hmm. I I like how Green called pretty much called it out that you know this was Vance's breaking point. Like we've been dogging him for years, and this was the first chance that he actually had to actually go out and do something himself. And it was like all that pent up rage just came out <laughs> and just gouged whatever this thing's eyes out. Witness me. <laughs> <laughs> This is what happens when you bully somebody for too long. They gouge your eyes out. They I come know. at you. They come. <laughs> Orchid's confusion. What did you say? Notice me. Notice me, ha- senpai. This is what happens when you push, like, if you're bullying somebody to a breaking point. Okay. <laughs> you did not hear that, did you? 
That is not the word I heard. <laughs> can you can you can you type can you type the word that you did hear because let's do shout outs. <laughs> well she does that because I have a feeling I know what she's thinking. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean so Elemis, shout outs. Yeah. Um shout out to you guys. This this has been fun. Uh, it's always a blast just hanging out with you guys. I like doing these. I like having more voices on the podcast. Oh, yeah. I like especially having other voices who spend way too much time thinking about the same stuff that we spend way too much time thinking about. I'm still yes. on Pigeon Lord, so I mean... <laughs> <laughs> not much thinking outside of that. Um... So, Orchid, do you have any shout-outs? Or can you even speak at the moment? <laughs> I may be making Orchid blush. Did, did, Orchid, did Orchid pass out? Like, I hear that's an affliction. Or- <laughs> <laughs> Orchid's fine. <laughs> F. Um. F's in chat for Orchid. God. <laughs> I'm going to shout out everybody in chat. Shout out I, Viru. I cannot shout that out. <laughs> this is a family-friendly podcast. I mean, you can shout it out. Just don't explain it. Shout out Rule 34. <laughs> oh, and all the other rules yeah. around it. Oh. Especially 34. How do you think families are created? Wink, wonk. Anyway. Cut. Cut. <laughs> blue take us out <laughs> yeah uh just just to get a big shout out to everyone here and then also a quick reminder to let us know your thoughts on our website redesign over on the lorenetwork.com as well as a quick request to send us a review and your thoughts and a comment over on iTunes for Focus Fire Chat or Destiny Lore Audiophile or any of the podcasts that are on the Lore Network or within the Robots Radio Network as well actually if you guys are feeling generous and have a bit of time to spare over on iTunes and want to just click all the buttons and send all the words we really appreciate it but until next time remember with wisdom we conquer stand strong stand tall and keep exploring. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.